Okay, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. We are in our series called Off the Chain. Look at somebody next to you. You go, Off the Chain. Come on, look at the other person you didn't want to look at and say, You look off the chain. And that's a compliment. That's not frazzled and stuff. You look off the chain. You look, that's the new term around here. You look off the chain. Um, we are in our third week, third installment of this series. Subtitle is Choosing Freedom Every Day. And uh, we're looking at the book of Galatians. We're doing an in-depth study on the book of Galatians, which is just an awesome book written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 letters total. This is one of those 13 letters that he wrote to, uh, not only to the uh, church, one church in Galatia, but Galatia was, was kind of like Jeff Davis Parish in a sense. Uh, in Jeff Davis Parish, you got many different cities in our area, and that was the same way. Galatia was an area, and there's many different churches in that area uh, that Paul was writing to, and so he's writing this letter to the Galatian churches, and uh, he, he's 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 pretty he's pretty uh, he's he's pretty peppered. Let's let's put it that way. He's pretty passionate in this letter. This is one of the letters we talked about in the first week. Uh, he, he's 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 a little upset. He's writing in all caps, all caps, seventy two size font to this letter to the Galatian churches, and, and pretty much he's saying, "What's happened? What's happened, guys?" You, you, you love Jesus, and, 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 and you didn't have any chains on, and, and Jesus took your chains off, and now you were no longer slaves, but now you've taken those chains, and you've put them back on, and you've pretty much enslaved yourself. And he's really mad because they've been deceived into so many different things. And so in week one, we, we looked at the question, um, how am I going to become godly? And uh, the title of that message was called A Different Gospel. And, and the idea was is that when Paul went into these churches, he preached the gospel that Jesus loves you, that Jesus came for you, that Jesus died for you. If you have faith in that, that's, that's all you need and that you can be saved. And some other guys came behind him and said, that's great and all, but the truth is he only got half of it right. If you really want to be saved, you got to not only trust in Jesus, but then you got to follow all of the dietary laws, no more no more meat lovers pizza, you know, no more, none of that. You got, oh, and by the way, you got to get circumcised, which, you know, membership went way down when that one, at least male membership. It was all women. He don't know why, but a bunch of women in there. And so we talked about how do I, how am I going to become godly? And I, I'll say this, we, we looked at the difference between religion and the gospel. And if, if there's any message that is the driving foundation of our church, it's that message. Actually, over the past three or four weeks, that has been the most listened to message uh, in a long time here at OSC because I think it resonated with a lot of people of how do I become godly? Is it religion, which it's duty, I have to, or is it relationship in the gospel, which is I want to and it's a delight? And so we looked at those two different things and, and, and how we can uh, be in one of those. And then in the second week, we looked at this idea. The big question was, is how do we keep from going back to our old life? Now that we know Jesus, we're trying to live for Jesus, there's this tendency that we swing right back into the old way of doing things. And so we looked at the idea of how do I live a life that pleases God? How do I stay living in that life? And that, that title was called The Life I Now Live. Today we are in part three, and this is the question that we're going to answer. You can actually write it at the top of your notes, but the question we're going to answer today is, how am I going to grow as a Christian? How am I going to grow as a Christian? Now, Galatians is divided into really three sections. It's the who, the what, and the now what. It's the personal, chapter one and chapter two is personal. We, we dealt with those in the first two parts of the series. Now we're going into part three, which is the doctrinal side. And then in chapter five and six, he talks about the practical side. So this is where we're at. We're in chapter three today, and I want us to read together. The, the, the words are going to be, the scripture is going to be on the screen. It's in your notes. And if you have a Bible, it's, you got it in three different ways. But I want you to read it along with me, and then we're going to dive in and answer this question. How do I grow? How do I grow in my faith? How do I grow as a Christian? So Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. You should all be there. All right. So this is what it says. Oh, foolish Galatians. Man, he starts it off great, huh? Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. 
So let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And the answer is, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become, and if you have something to underline, underline this, to be made perfect by your own human effort? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And in this short time that we have together, God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And God, I pray that today would be a defining moment for many people in this room. God, from, for those who, who, who walked in here and don't even really know why they're here, but they just know that, that they, need, they need a change, I pray that they would meet you today. And God, those who have been here for 10 years and feel like they already know you, God, I pray that you would capture their heart today and they would know you even more in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Have you ever woke up from a very deep sleep and you are so, uh, like, you're not awake, you're, you're still kind of asleep, and you don't know, like, what day it is, you don't know what time it is, you don't, have you, has anybody been in that type of sleep where you're just like, you're, you're waking up and you're like, I don't even know where I am, I don't even know, maybe some of y'all that was this weekend, I'm glad you're here, thanks for being here, um, but... I, I don't know about y'all, I, I, I have a tendency to, um, any dreamers in here? Any dreamers in here? Any of y'all have like vivid dreams? Like you wake up and you can remember what your dreams are. How many of you, you, wake, you go to sleep and you don't dream nothing? Like you just sleep. Awesome, we hate you. Okay, so <laughs> for all of us that got stuff going in my brain all, all the time, I, I, woke, I had two vivid dreams this week. But I, I it was, it was kind of crazy. I was never really, I was a hard sleeper whenever I was, I'm still a hard sleeper now. Like Lindsay can be blow drying her hair and I'm still out. And, um, and I'm a hard sleeper, but there's times and seasons, especially as I've gotten married, where I have, I've been asleep and I, and I have these vivid, vivid dreams. You know, everybody's got like those weird dreams and everybody kind of laughs about like, you know, you went to school naked or you went to work naked. Like those are, you don't like those, you know. I've, I've done it where I've preached naked. Now, that one was, <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I, as I got married, I started having these weird dreams. I don't think it was because I was married. I just think it was just stuff that was going on in my life and all that stuff. I've, I've had dreams where I've, I, I've been dreaming, and I'm not a normal sleepwalker. Any of y'all know people that's like actually gets up and, and like will, will walk in their sleep? I know people who like will actually walk, and you can carry a conversation with them, and they'll carry a conversation with you, and then they'll go back to bed, and you t- ask them in the next morning, and they have no clue what they just did. Those are crazy, okay? But I, I've had the type of dreams where, where, where you, I, I come, and I, and I think there's snakes in the bed. I've woken up doing this, like trying to kill spiders, snakes. I've had those. The funniest one, though, was I, I thought there was a snake in the bed one time, and I, and I literally, I jumped on my bed. Like, I'm on, I'm standing on my bed, and I thought that it was coming by me, which I didn't actually tell my wife anything. I just, I jumped off, and when I jumped off, I hit our ceiling fan. <laughs> True story. And then, you know, when you hit the ceiling fan, then you're like, oh, my God. And then you're like, wait, what did I just do? You know, like you come to all of a sudden. I had one time where we were going through a, a kind of a harder season in our church, and we had to let, let a, a couple people go. And I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, Lindsay told me this because I don't even remember doing this. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, you're fired. <laughs> then I went back to bed. <laughs> Lindsay was like, you fired me. You fired me in the middle of the night. I said, you're hired. Apologize for doing that. My brother, I, I remember my brother was a sleepwalker. He, 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 he was the type, you know, he would, he, you would wake up. And I, I remember one vivid time, he, he actually, he was sleepwalking and, and slept right into the bathtub. Like you heard a, and like he's, he's in the bathtub, like he's going to take a bath. And then he's crying because he hit his head on the wall and all that stuff. So the reason I bring all that up is because Paul is, is talking here to the Galatians and, and, and he's telling them 
you need to wake up. You need to wake up. He gives some pretty, pretty big words right here. And he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who's, who's cast an evil spell on you? You're, you're almost like in a trance, like you don't know what's going on. You don't know where things are, where, where things are at. And he's reminding them, he's reminding the Galatians that, hey, guys, you got to wake up. You, you, somebody has put a, a trance on you. Like you're, you're not who you used to be. You used to remember what the gospel was, and now all of a sudden you're believing all this other stuff, and it's almost like you're in a dream and you don't know what's going on. And he's shaking them to wake them up. And Paul is, from Galatians 3 all the way to the rest of the end of Galatians, he's going to remind the Galatians of the gospel. How many of you have seen the movie, um, what's, the, what's that, Groundhog Day? How many of you have seen that movie, Groundhog Day? Y'all seen that movie with... Uh, who is it, Bill Murray? Is that who is it, Bill Murray? You know the story, like he, he goes to bed and he wakes up and it's Groundhog's Day. Then he goes back to bed and he wakes up and it's the same day again. He goes back to bed and wakes up the same day again. Okay, well, th- I think the challenge for this series for me has been Paul is literally on repeat every chapter. Like, you're like in chapter one, and he's like, hey, you're saved by faith. It's not because of you. And then you get in chapter two, and he's like, oh, by the way, you're saved by faith. It's not because of you. Then you get to chapter three, you think, man, this is going to be good. And he's like, you're, not saved by, you're saved by faith, not because of you. And he's just constantly repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And I don't know if you're a parent in here, but how many know repetition is sometimes key? I mean, you've said the same thing to your child over and over and over and over and over. And the Apostle Paul loves the Galatians enough that he is just going to drive this one point over and over and over and over again. And so this morning, I am going to yet again remind you and hopefully explain to you in a very simple way that you can understand what the gospel actually is. Now, if you were to break down the gospel, it really is by our nature, we are broken, You are a sinner not because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. You need to hear this. Most people think because I sin, it makes me filthy. No, you were born into filth. You're already filthy. And a byproduct of that is that we sin. That's what happens. And and the best way I can give you an example of that is how many of you taught your children how to bite another person? Any of y'all said, hey, this is how you do it. Ah." No. No. How many of you taught your children to go, mine? It's mine. Did anybody? Maybe you did. I don't know. Maybe you taught your child to do that. I don't know. But by nature, our children rebel. They fight. You didn't train that. You didn't have to teach them how to do that. Why? They're broken. We're broken. All of us are broken. We're born into a a broken world. And the Bible says that because we're broken, we're born into sin, that we sin. And the the byproduct of being people that, that sin is that everybody falls short. Everybody in here has sinned, has has sinned this week. And because of our sin, we can't be in the presence of God. Let me put it this way: sin and God can't be in the same room. They can't because we serve a holy, just God. And so he can't be anywhere around sin. Well, guess what? That creates a bit of a dilemma because when the people that you create are born into a broken world and have sin, but you can't be with sin, how many know that's an issue? But here's here's the problem. God created us because he wanted to be with us. So why would God create us then to not be able to be with us? And so there has to be a solution. There's got to be something that that fixes this sin issue. And the fix is Jesus. Jesus comes and he comes and what he does is he pays your bill. The bill that was for sin, for all have fallen short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death. And the way to to deal with these sin is somebody's got to die for it. Either you or Jesus. And God the Father sends his son Jesus, and, and Jesus literally pays the bill for you. He pays your bill. It's the best news on the planet. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to a restaurant. You've maybe eaten lunch or eaten dinner. I've had this happen a couple times um, where you're, you're eating dinner, and, and, 
and, you know, you do the little signal to the, you know, like this is universal all over the world for a waiter. Check, please. You know, kind of like a, come on over. And the waiter comes over and says, hey, um, I need the check. And he's like, oh, your bill's been paid for. And then how many are like, praise God, I should have ordered a steak. How many? <laughs> come on, let's be honest in here. How many of you are like, I should have got the buffet? <laughs> praise God. And they're like, well, who was it? Well, they don't want to tell you. Come on, how many of you know that feeling right there, when that, when that happens, it doesn't feel right, right? I ate the food, I should pay for the bill. But instead, I ate the food and someone else paid for the bill. That doesn't seem right. It just doesn't, doesn't jive with me. It's hard. And guess what? Jesus does the same thing. Jesus pays our bill that he didn't eat. He didn't sin. He, he was perfect. But yet he pays the bill. And that's why oftentimes it doesn't feel right because Jesus shouldn't have had to pay for my sins, but he did because I was the one that sinned. Now let me tell you this, because a lot of people are confused about what hell is, because most people think they have this image that hell is a place where God sends people he's extremely mad at. And that is not the case at all. Let me give you a, a, a very good definition of what hell is. Hell is a place where you get to pay your bill if you want to. Hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where we get to go pay our bill if we want to pay it. You want to pay your bill? That's where you can go pay it. That was really good. Okay, all right. And so it becomes ridiculous for us to really rely on our own strength to earn God's favor if everything that God gives us is something that he does. Let me show you Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. It says this, all who rely on observing the law, what are they under? They're under what? They're under a curse. Now watch this. Watch what it says. They're under a curse for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. This is what he's saying. He's not saying that God is cursing you because you didn't obey the law. He's saying because you're trying to obey the law, you're cursing yourself. That's what he's saying. God's not cursing you. Because he says that cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of law. Meaning this, that if you can't fulfill all of them, you can't fulfill any of them. You can't fulfill any of them. Look at James 2. Watch. James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just what? What does it say? At one. Is guilty of breaking what? All of them. So let me, let me, let me, let's, let's fill in some blanks here, okay? If you got your notes, fill this out with me. The law couldn't be obeyed. The law couldn't be obeyed. If you pray a lot, if you go to church a lot, if you give a lot, whatever you do a lot, you can't do enough to make things right with God. And, and we, we live in a society that thinks that if I do something wrong, I can fix it by doing something right. They... Most people subscribe to this idea of a 51% heaven. And this is what they believe. If I can do just enough good things over the bad things I've done, I'm going to get in. And that is furthest from the truth. Because if you just do one bad thing, which we already have already cleared that up that we all have, you can't do anything that's good enough. There is no 51% heaven. God's not going to come in and go, yeah, you know what, you were, you were rough your childhood, but you know what, you made it up your adult life, so come on in. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. 1% is enough for you to miss everything. Galatians 3.19, let me show you this. So then what then was the purpose of the law? Why did God give us the law if he knew that we couldn't obey it? It sounds really weird. Let me give you a... Uh, let me give you an example that I think will help a whole lot here. So as many of you know, Pastor Bubba um, has, is right now fighting cancer for the fourth time. And uh, right before, they, 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 they saw the cancer that was in his colon, and so they were going to go and, and remove that. And, and, and for those that may or may not know the story, the, he was supposed to have surgery on Monday, and on Friday he goes into uh, to the hospital to do his routine exams and final prep for surgery. And on Friday, they do an MRI. And on his way home, 
driving home, thinking all that is well, all that is good. He gets a call from his doctor. And his doctor tells him, hey, we're canceling your surgery on Monday. And if any of y'all that have walked with us through this journey, you've heard this story from him. We're going to cancel your Monday appointment for surgery. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, the MRI showed that you not only have cancer in your colon, but you also have cancer in your bones. And so we're going to have to hold off and wait for surgery because we've got to diagnose what type of cancer this is. And before we ever go open you up, we've got to do that. Now, here's the deal. The MRI machine that he did, that he went into, simply just showed the problem. But it can't cure it. So this is what we do with the law. The, the, the law for us is a diagnostic. This is what the law does. The, God says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then when we can't do it, all it shows is, is that we can't. It shows where the problem is. The problem that, it happened, that, that happens in churches, though, is that we run to the MRI machine to fix us when it was never designed to fix us, but just to show us that we need help. That's the problem. We run to the law. I'm going to just try to do better and do, do more and do, not do this stuff. And I'm going to try to love God more. And, I'm going to try, and we try to go to the MRI machine to cure us of cancer, but it doesn't work. The MRI machine was never meant to cure your cancer. It was just meant to show you that you have cancer. And the law of God is simply there to show you that you're broken. You can't do this alone. So then the question is, then what is the law for? Let's read this verse. Watch this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 and 5. So if the law is like an MRI machine, the scan that you get is always just going to show you that you're sick. You're sick. You're sick. Yeah, we know that. But Galatians 3.24, watch what it says. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. To lead us to who? Lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So what was the law there for? Your next point. The law leads us to Christ. The whole reason that God put the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament and gave them the rules was for their protection. Don't go killing people. That's probably a good thing. Don't go taking people's stuff. Don't go be sleeping with other people's wives. He did all that as a protection measure to say, here's some boundaries, live within this. But he also knew that they weren't going to fulfill them all. And so ultimately, the law was just simply there to point them to their need for Jesus. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to help you do everything that I'm telling you to do, which is why we have the law. The law leads us right to Christ. And when you do things the right way, a miracle happens. See, when you don't go to the rules to make you right, but you go to the person to make you right, your life changes forever. We don't go to the rules to try to get things right. I'm going to just get myself right here. I'm going I'm to clean myself up before I come to church. No, no, no. We come to church so Christ can clean us up. We don't, we, you can't clean yourself up. We talked about this last week. You can't be the problem and the solution at the same time. And you're the problem. And I'm the problem. But Jesus is the solution. Amen? Galatians 3, 24, look what this says. The law was our guardian until Christ came. There it is again. He was protecting us. The law was protecting us until when? Until Christ came. And then it protected us until we could be, now look at this, until we could be what? Made right with God through faith. Now listen to me. Listen when I say this. Christianity does not ask you to do right. It asks you to be made right. Christianity does not ask you to do right, but to be made right. Christianity, you don't come into the faith and now I got all these rules I got to follow and oh man, I got to do all this stuff. No, 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 no. Christianity is not about doing things. It's about being someone. Christianity is about God changing us from the inside out. That's what Christianity is all about. And see, here's the deal. When Jesus now is the diagnostic And not just the law, but Jesus is the diagnostic. The Bible says that when God looks at Jesus, what does he see? He sees perfect, blameless, holy. So here's the question. For those who have put their faith in Christ, when God the Father looks at us, 
What does he see? Perfect, blameless, holy. Because Jesus is that. Because here's the truth. If I have to train this church on how to have good behavior, we're going to be here for a long time. Because some of you need some extra training. And some of you went to that type of church. Stop that. Do that. Don't do that. Quit that. Do this. And and you know what? All it made you want to do is pray that there would be 10 days between the next Sunday and not seven. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, all that made, that type of preaching only made you go, what time are we getting out here? You ready to go? What you want to eat? Let's see. You know what I mean? And Jesus comes and he gives us a new thing. So this is what I want us to do. I want us for the, for the last part of this segment, I want us to talk about what does it mean for us to live in grace? How do we grow as Christians? We got to live in grace. You hear this word grace. So I want to break down this word grace and I'm going to do it in such a way that from here on out, you can teach anybody what grace is very easily. And I am going to use an acrostic. I'm going to use the word grace. G-R-A-C-E. That's just because that's what pastors do. Okay? Make it easy for you to remember. Now, there was a story. Acrostics can go really bad because there's a story of a guy who, who went to Yale and, and did the commencement speech for Yale for all the graduation people. And so he did the same thing. You know, Yale is, is youthful. And A, you know, they're affirming. And L, they're loving. And E, they're energetic. The problem was it took him like two and a half hours to do the thing, to do his his, his speech. And so after he was done, one of the Yale graduates came up to him and said, man, that was a great, great message, but I am so glad I did not go to Massachusetts Interne- Institute of Technology. <laughs> so I am not planning on being two hours on grace. So let's talk about grace. Fill in your first blank. Number one, grace is a free gift. Come on, if you, if, if how many of you remember the uh, brokerage firm Smith & Barney? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember? If you're maybe a little older in here, you might remember. They, they used to have commercials, and this is what their commercial would say. Their commercial would say, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. That's for all the older people in here. Smith and who? I know Barney. I don't know Smith. I mean, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. And you know, some of you went to a church where we make religion the old-fashioned way. We earn it. We earn it. Well, guess what? You can't earn it. You can't. Jesus came to give you something that you can't get on your own. And here's the thing about this. When we talk about grace as a free gift, most of us think of a gift and we just, I want to tell you what that gift is. That gift is not salvation. That gift is Jesus. He came to give you the gift of life. His gift was his life. That's what his gift was. His gift was his life. Because sin had to be paid for. Now, can you imagine you're walking the street and a car is flying 100 miles, down, miles per hour down the street. You don't see it, but somebody else comes and they throw you out the way and they get hit. And they die. How many of you know that the coming weeks, months, and years of your life, you will never wake up the same you will always be thinking of this person who, who, who laid their life down so that you could live. And this is the essence of Christianity. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the, what is that? The free what? Free gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through, look at who it's through, through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. And most of us don't realize when we think about this gift Not only the excruciating pain that Jesus had to go through to give you his gift of his life, but think about what the father had to go through. Now, as many of you know, our youngest son is fighting a life-threatening disease as we speak. Back in November, I shared this story a while back, but back in November, we underwent one of the the biggest, riskiest procedures, surgeries in St. Louis in a hospital we'd never been Two in our life, and our son was going to undergo a surgery that's only been done less than 10 times in the nation. So scary. 
And the, 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 the day of the surgery, the surgery went great. Everything went awesome. But I told Lindsay and I do this thing where we rotate. When, when we're in the ER or the ICU, we'll rotate. One will go and sleep at a hotel or, you know, somewhere that we have. And then one would stay with Joel. Then the next night we'd flip so that way we're not exhausted. And so I told her, I said, listen, uh, the night of the surgery, I want to stay. Because I know it's going to be rough. And I want you to go and, and stay in the hotel. And so she, she agreed. And... And I was right. Joel was intubated, so he had a tube down his throat. He um, had uh, all of these um, bands tying his hands down to the bed. And they, they said, we're going to try to keep him as sedated as possible so he doesn't wake up during the middle of the night because we can't take that tube out. But I just want to prepare you. He may wake up. And he did. Many times. And every time he would wake up, he couldn't barely talk because of the tube that was in his mouth. So he was just mouthing like, and he's got his hand. He doesn't know. I mean, one moment he walked into the hospital. He doesn't know what happened. He had surgery. And now all of a sudden he wakes up and his hands are tied to a bed. He's got a breathing tube down his throat and he's in a lot of pain. And he's just yelling. And can I just tell you, I broke because there was everything that was inside of me to throw that boy off the bed and get on the bed in his place. But I knew that that wasn't in the cards. There was nothing I could do to help him. And I remember that in that moment when he's, he's, he's yelling for me to come or he's whispering with a tube in his mouth. I remember it was literally like the spirit of God showed up in that room. And this is what God told me. I know how you feel. God the Father knows exactly how I felt because he watched his son go through something a hundred times worse. And so when we talk about grace is a free gift, I want you to understand the price that was paid for that free gift. Somebody gave their life for that free gift, and his name is Jesus and when you realize the grace of God, you're never the same because you just haven't just gotten a gift. You've gotten a life. Amen? Amen. Golly, thank God for the free gift that he's given us. Grace is a free gift to us. You don't earn it. Which goes into number two, grace is received by faith. Now, faith is not believing in something. Faith is trusting in something. See, Christianity is not a belief system. Okay, so anybody's told you that Christianity is a belief system, they're wrong. Christianity is not a belief system because if Christianity was a belief system, then the devil would be a Christian. Because, I mean, you know, the devil believes in Jesus too. Yeah, yeah. so if, if Christianity was us just believing in Jesus, like I believe in God, I believe he exists, yeah, so does Satan. But it doesn't make him a Christian. So faith is not believing in something. Faith is trusting in something. Two totally different things. Two totally different things. Ephesians 2. Let's look at this verse. For it is by grace, by grace, by grace, by grace you've been saved. Now look at this. Through what? What does it say? Through faith. There it is. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Look at Romans 4, 16. People receive God's promise by having faith. faith. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think there are a, a number of people in here that you think that you have faith because you believe in God. But I'm here to tell you that unless you've trusted in God and put your whole faith in him, you don't know him. And we're glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because there's no other place I'd want you to be. I want you to be here, but I want you to hear me right now. Grace doesn't happen into your life until you cross the line. When you cross the line, you experience grace. Let me give you a, an example that maybe you can understand. So my oldest son, Josiah, is 10, is a picky eater. And I mean picky, picky, picky. And I remember uh, as, you know, a couple years ago, he, and we, we still even do this now. Lindsay will make something, and Josiah will go, hey, mom, what's for dinner? And so she'll say something, and he'll go, Ugh! 
oh, no, Mm-mm. no. Which everything in, inside of me is like, boy, you know, <laughs> you are about to get it. And so here's, here's the question that I ask him. Have you tried it? Well, no, but I just know it just looks gross. Like, son, listen, you can't say you don't like something until you try it. You got to try it. You got to try it. And then after you try it, you can spit it out. No, okay. So you you got to try it. Listen to me. There's some people in here that are like, I don't do church. I don't do Jesus. I don't do that Christian stuff. And the question that I ask them is, have you tried it? Well, yeah, I went to church. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about going to church because I don't really like going to church either sometimes, okay? So it's not about going to church. Well, yeah, you know, I, 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 they told me to give, so I gave, and they told me to serve, and I served. And, man, look at my marriage. And look, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That's all external stuff. I'm saying have you trusted Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, surrendered to Jesus, and asked Jesus to come and give you new heart, new desires? Have you done that? Amen. Well, maybe not. So here's my encouragement to everybody in here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He's good. It's like steak. Just melts in your mouth when it's done right. And guess what? Josiah loves steak now. <laughs> loves it. I said, guess where you would have been if you were in a, you would be eating hamburgers or hot dogs, but now you got a steak. You know what I mean? And some of us, we, we, we settle for hamburgers and hot dogs when God wants to give us a filet mignon. Come on, I'm just getting hungry just talking about all this. Let's go eat, and then you can pay for my dinner. I mean, like, <laughs> no, really, you can, I mean, if you want to, I mean. All right, number three. So grace is a free gift. Grace is received by faith. Faith is not believing. It is, come on, let's try this again. Faith is not believing. It is trusting, trusting. It's surrender. It's putting my whole heart, just like you trusted in that chair to hold you. It's putting everything in it. Number three, grace is, I, I've, I've been so waiting for this one. It's available to everyone. It's available to everyone. Let us never be the church that cast an evil eye on people. Did you see who walked in here? Did you see what she is wearing? I've had somebody come up to me and go, did you see there was people smoking out there, out in the parking lot? And you know what my response is? Awesome! That's awesome! And they're like, what? Where else do you want people like that to be? Where else do you want people that, you know, you know what he did to his wife? Great. This is where he needs to be. This is where he needs to be. God forbid the day that everyone who comes to OSC looks like us. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine that told me a story. He said he had a, a guy that was struggling with homosexuality, and he asked, he asked this pastor, hey, am I welcome at your church? Can I come to your church? Because, you know, the truth is I was born this way. <laughs> and the pastor looked at him and he said, man, you're welcome anytime. But can I tell you what? I was born this way too. I was born this way. I was born full of lust and greed. And I was born full of pride. And I was born full of insecurity. And I was born full of myself. But you know what? I'm so glad I got to a church that accepted me as I am and allowed Jesus to come and change me as I am. And now I'm a new person because of Jesus. We're all born this way. You're all born broken. We're all born broken. All of us. We're all broken. So why don't, why don't we just ex freely accept the, the grace that God wants to bring to us to change us from the inside out? Because the gospel is for everyone to come. But let me tell you this. You know, some people say, well, when you preach grace, it's just, it's just watered down. And, and, and what it's about the seriousness of sin. And shouldn't people do repentance? Yes, because salvation comes with repentance and with faith. But the truth is, is that Jesus says, everybody come. And then he says, let me fix you. Amen. Most of us want to come to Jesus and then we fix ourselves. But the same Jesus that you needed to get into heaven is the same Jesus that you need to stay. You need that same grace every single day. I need that grace to get into salvation, to be saved, but I need that same grace for me to continue to follow God. And grace is available to everyone. Look at Romans 10, verse 13. Everyone, 
Who does that mean? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, everyone. Come on, how many of you have family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors that don't know Jesus? Anybody in here? How many want them to know Jesus? How many want to create a place where people can come in all broken, banged up, and struggling, and wondering if God still loves them, and then come in here and hear the greatest news on the planet that God forgives them, loves them, and has a purpose for them? Come on, I'm way more excited about this than y'all are. May we never be the church who's got, who, who turns the evil eye. Because this is what that says. It says that what I'm doing is better than what you're doing. And if we learn real quickly that it really doesn't matter what you're doing, because what you're doing really doesn't mean anything to God anyways, you're, awesome. you're actually not that awesome. Finally, you have a pastor who will shoot straight with you. You are awesome and not awesome at the same time. Because it's not all about you. And we are in this. We are saved because of him. It's not because of you. So grace is available to everyone. No one is too far. No one's too far. And uh, number four, grace comes only through Christ. Can I be clear here? And you can listen to me when I say this. There is only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus. Well, you just so narrow-minded. Yes, you're right. I am. And you know why? Because there's no other person who has fixed your sin problem than Jesus. No one else has paid your bill. No one. You got a long long line of people trying to pay your bill? I don't think so. Jesus is the only one who paid your bill. And when he's the only one who pays our bill, he's the only one that we have to go through to get that bill paid for because he already did. So Jesus is the one. There's no other gods that paid for your sins because all the other religions tell you that you got to pay for your own. You got to do enough penance and you got to do enough this and you got to do enough that. And when you do enough of this, then you'll be good with God. That is false. It's a lie. There's nothing, nothing that you can do to make you right with God except to believe in what Jesus has done. Grace only comes through Jesus let me show you. I'm going to go through these very quickly. John 1:17. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through. Come on, we're going to get it. Jesus. Romans 5:15. Many people have received God's gift of life by the grace of the one man. Jesus. Jesus. G- John 14:6. Jesus said to him, "I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through." Jesus, Acts 4, 12, and there is, look at this, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let me tell you, if there was another way, we'd point it to you. We'd point you to it. If there are other ways to get to heaven, we'd tell you. But there's not. There's one way. And his name's Jesus. And number five, last but not least, grace is extended throughout eternity. This is the greatest news. Grace is extended throughout all eternity. This is what this means. Jesus took care of your past sins, present sins, and future sins. Let me ask you this When Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago, were your sins past, present, or future at that time? It's not a trick question. It really, okay, future. All right, you weren't born, so there was no past. Okay, all right. I'll try to help you out here, okay? So when he died and he said, to Telestai, it is finished, it is done, he did that as a forward payment for knowing that you're going to screw up. And you hadn't even been born yet. You hadn't even screwed up yet. And he he said, already covered, already done. But this is what we believe, and it's so wrong that, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord back in, you know, 1993, and and God forgave me of all my past sins, but you know what, now I'm just trying trying to work it out so God can keep forgiving me. Wrong. He forgave your past before you had a past. 
Come on, that'll preach. He forgave your past before you have a past. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, look at this, eternal life. That's not talking about heaven. That's actually talking about today. For you to have eternal life today. For you to live in life today. For, for God to have grace for your yesterdays, for your todays, and for your tomorrow. So, so you're paid The bill's been paid. But let me say this. Grace doesn't let you off the hook. So for those of you in here like, oh, you know what, God, grace, man, he he just pays for all my sins so I can just go do whatever I want now, then you don't understand grace. We're not talking about cheap grace. It costs a lot. Grace doesn't let you off the hook for your sins. It just changes your motivation now. It changes your motivation. Let me give you what I think is probably one of the greatest definitions of grace. Write this down. Grace is when you, what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. Grace is when what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. Let me show you this. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Come on, we talked about this. Grace is for everyone. Grace. For, now watch this. It. What is it? Grace. Watch what grace does. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What does grace teach you to do? It teaches you to say no. I can go do whatever I want. I can go, God's going to forgive me. No, 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 no. Grace teaches you to say no. So it changes from, from I have to do this. You know, I have to be faithful to Lindsay. Now that's love. I have to go out on a date with you, babe. You know, I just have to. Come on, how many you know? I mean, the person on the receiving end of that is like, spare me. Right? But we treat church like that. I got to go to church. I got to, you know, I got to, I got to serve at the church. You know, I got to, got to give. I got, no, no, no. Grace is, grace, it changes our have to, to want to. I don't have to. I want to. I want to be here. I want to be with you. I want, I, want to, I want to give. I want to serve. You know why? Because God's done way too much for me, for me to hold it all into myself. I want to give this thing away. And I came to tell you today that the best thing about you has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the one who gave his life for you, and his name is Jesus. So the best thing about you is not about you. It's about Jesus. And grace today is freely extended across all of this room for every person in here to receive this grace and to live in this grace because when you live in this grace, the chains come off. No longer is it have to, no longer is it duty, but now it's delight. Now it's want to. Now it's I want to fix my marriage. Now it's I want to I want to work on the things in my heart with the help of the Holy Spirit helping me in these areas. It's no longer a thing of dread. It's a thing of I love this because I love Jesus. Y'all with me? It's delight, changing the delight, changing our motivations. And the grace of God, the grace of God can do that. The law cannot. It cannot. It is an MRI. It will only show you the problem, but it can't fix it. You can't do anything more to make God love you more. You can't do anything less to make God love you any less. He approves of you. He loves you. He's adopted you. He's forgiven you. And he's done all that before there was a you. And today... He is compelling you to answer this call to come, to come to Jesus. You walked into this place with chains. You walked into this place confused. You walked into this place hurt. You walked into this place with no hope. And today, Jesus, by his grace and through faith, wants to give you hope and life and joy forevermore if you'll receive it by faith. That means you step over the line That means you take a bite 
and taste that the Lord is good. And so I want to give an opportunity for that to happen. And I want you all across this room to bow your heads. Please, this is, a, this is the most important moment of this whole service right here. Please, no moving around. There are those of you in here right now, the Holy Spirit has been drawing you. You're, you're here today because God drew you. You may not even know that. You, you, you're like, well, I'm here today because somebody brought me. Yes, that is true. But you know what? That person took up the courage to actually invite you. And God was using that person to get you here, to get your attention today. And I, I, I wanna pray for you and I wanna lead you to the person who will give you hope, who give you life. If you haven't put your faith, you haven't crossed the line, you haven't put your trust, your surrender into Jesus and you've been, you, you really have just been living your life as best as you can, you've been trying hard, but the truth is it's exhausting. And you know what? That may be for some of you in here that know God, but your relationship with God has been duty. It's been have to. And today God is wanting to bring you, change you from the inside out and making it a have to to a want to. If there's those of you in here today and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to receive his grace all across this room. I just want you to raise your hand all across this room. Come on, we've got hands going up all over this room. All over this room. Praise God. Come on, all over this room. I want to receive that grace by faith all over this room. Awesome, 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 awesome. You can put your hands down right where you are. Just repeat this after me. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus, for paying for my bill. I repent of my sins. I need you to give me a fresh start. Forgive me for what I've done. Today, I surrender. Today, I put my trust in Jesus alone because he alone is worthy to save me. From this day forward, I'll follow Jesus. I'll give him my whole heart, my whole life. In Jesus' name. And everyone's.